Welcome to Tenet Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on Team Blue traveling in reverse. How are you, Kevin? I am doing well. I'm sounding better, I believe, too. <laughs> oh, you sound fantastic. <laughs> I would like to apologize for the way I've sounded throughout the entire podcast. I should have bought a new microphone a long time ago. <laughs> it's been a it's been yeah. a roller coaster for you, I feel like, because uh, I think even for some weeks you didn't have any microphone and you were just using the like the crappy on Whatever. onboard laptop microphone. Yeah, yeah, but, but now still, it's a Mac. Said- it's a Mac, so it's still better than like a PC uh, <laughs> microphone. But uh, yeah, big improvement. Okay. You sound, and I you have sound a, like a professional now. Oh, like I've, yes, like I've always been a professional. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I have a silly game to play. Um, uh, we haven't recorded for two weeks. And in that two weeks, I've seen four brand new movies in the theaters Whoa. now. Okay. Wow. And, okay. Um, and it was a big run for me. And I just thought it would be fun if I were to read to you my reviews on Letterboxd and then you have to guess the name of the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> feel, feel free to look up like a box office thing to see what's out right now. Um, but I'm just uh, yes. going to dive into okay. the first one. Maybe you've seen trailers. I don't know. So I'm going to read you my rev- my review. If I say the title of the movie, I'm going to say something different, like the movie. If I if I if there's names in it, like actors or directors, I'll leave those in. So those would be good clues. So it's not going <clears> to <throat> it's not going to help me. I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you could just make up a name, too. Uh, <laughs> so the first movie, uh, I rated three stars and I started my review by saying this is a good movie. High concept fantasy is a guilty pleasure of mine. Not an outstanding film by any means, but it's a fun watch, exciting and suspenseful. I can see this becoming a Pirates of the Caribbean style franchise where one day I wake up and find out they made five of those films and I've only watched three because they had diminishing returns. Dungeons and Dragons. It is Dungeons and Dragons. First, (laughs) you're on the board. (laughs) I'm looking at AMC Theater's website. Like what? What could Perfect. possibly fit that bill? Okay. Yeah. I, I bought AMC's A-list because there's a lot of movies I want to see and it's pretty cheap. So I, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see a bunch of movies <laughs> by myself. <laughs> All right. The next one also rated three stars. I start my review by saying, this is a good movie. I'm a little harsher on modern war films, although this one does highlight the risks and plights of indigenous interpreters employed by American forces in the global war on terror. It does, however, stop short of any profound statement on the morals or ethics of their situation, their treatment, or the conflict in general. The first 30 minutes is a great setup to a war film, and then it turns into an action movie where Jake Gyllenhaal's character basically becomes a one-man army. I haven't seen a lot of the latest Guy Ritchie films, but this one felt a little understylized. 
Besides some quick montages and the addition of on-screen text that explained the military jargon, it could have been directed by anyone. Uh, Dar Salim, as the co-lead, was the standout of the film, a great actor. I could tell he was not ethnically Afghan, but when I looked him up and realized he was Iraqi, I just felt confused about any point I was going to make besides the fact that he's a good actor. Uh, what is the covenant? <laughs> the key, correct. <laughs> that, that could be I, a Rambo answer, movie, by the way. <laughs> you you answered my question. So the, I, I am familiar with the that movie. I haven't seen it, but uh, I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. I like a lot of Guy Ritchie's movies. So I was wondering, like, is this like, is this part of the Guy Ritchie formula or is it like more like a regular movie? And you answered that. It sounds like it's more like a regular movie. It could be a Jake Gyllenhaal could be named John Rambo and this could be Rambo, <laughs> Rambo seven or whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm two for two. You're doing great. I'd probably get this one too. Plenty of clues here. I rated this one four stars. This is a great film like the other films in the series were and still are, but this one is not the best in my opinion. Still funny, exciting, sad at times. The pacing of tone, the pacing and tone of this one was a little off. However, if you take these three films as a trilogy, I would say this is the best trilogy Marvel has created with Captain America being a close second. I like where it went, never how everything ended up. At this point, Marvel doesn't have to sell these tickets to me too hard, and films like this are why I keep coming back. Uh, who is Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> very good. You're doing you're you're doing very well. Your kids see any of those? No, no, oh, they've seen the, uh, they've seen the Avengers, but they haven't seen like the, uh, they haven't seen a lot of like the, the individual series. We watched the Iron Man series. They love that, but yeah. we haven't seen, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to do I... X-Men next. I think they need to watch oh, X-Men. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Set low expectations for that. Don't show them. <laughs> Don't show them Endgame and then go back to X-Men 1. No, we're okay. absolutely starting with X-Men 1, 1999, <laughs> Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. Magneto. Yeah. Still a fun watch, a breezy movie, actually. Just kind of doesn't stay too long. <laughs> um, all right. This is a, this might be a tough one. I rated this one four stars. And this might be the most embarrassing thing I've ever read to you. Um, <laughs> so excited. Four stars. This is a really good movie. It's better than it has any right being. I am a sucker for a good, and I do mean a good rom-com, and this is one. Every now and then, my wife wants me to take her to see one of her movies, and she picked this one because of Sam Hewen from Outlander. And he's great, although not a very convincing basketball fan. He's aspiring to be, he is a, I'm sorry, he is a newspaper music critic who is aspiring to be a podcaster. (laughs) He's also recently out of a rough breakup. She is a child's she is a children's author who is struggling to get over the death of her long-term boyfriend. I was hooked when I realized this rom-com is set in New York. The plot is very basic for one of these, but I thought the premise was unique enough to make it interesting and build tension up to the third act breakup. Surprisingly, Celine Dion sported the best New York accent in the entire film. She is the celebrity, she is the celebrity cameo that gets a lot of screen time and is also heavily featured on the soundtrack. Her music is used well for developing the theme and for comedic effect. I don't know. Maybe this film just got me on a good day. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> How'd you do? <laughs> uh, let, me, let, let me just say, Destiny has a plan in Love Again. <laughs> That's a tagline? Yes. That's terrible. 
I uh, I would not have gotten that one if I were not on the AMC website. Even after you said rom com, Celine Dion, and Sam Hewen. I don't even know who Sam Hewen is. Uh, I don't know any. I know who Celine Dion is, but the poster gives it away because uh, it says Celine Dion, and there's the New York backdrop behind it. Uh, never heard of that movie. Did not know it existed. Glad you liked it. I'm yeah. I was. <laughs> I don't recommend it for you. <laughs> I can, I will see Guardians of the Galaxy before I see Love Again. Is my guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you? Wait, I can't remember. Have you seen the Super Mario movie yet? I have not, but my kids keep egging me to go see it. Wow. Uh, so okay. I think I will definitely see it at least when it comes to streaming. If I, if not, I'll one of these days where I take the day off from work because I have extra leave. I'll go see it by myself. All right. And you're telling me it's good, too. Yeah, it was fine. It was a good movie. <laughs> My kids want to go see it again. And they keep asking, like, when we can watch it at home, um, which I don't think oh, it's on any streaming service yet. They're going to milk it for a couple of months. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a, a box office success, which they don't see very often anymore. So, yeah, it's not going to be uh, it's going to be a while. But some of this stuff, like The Covenant actually is in theaters, but I streamed it for like a couple of bucks. Oh, like, nice. Like a, a new thing they're doing because it's not like people aren't rushing, like banging down the doors of the theater to watch the covenant. <laughs> that there's was the only whole, one like, I didn't see in theater. There's like a whole bunch of movies out, uh, like on building companies like air and blackberry. <laughs> Have you yeah. seen these? No, Tetris. I do want to see air. I do want to see Tetris. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to see blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> They it's, have great uh, laws of power potential. So, you know, I need them to be downloadable so I can use them in my videos because I all those business movies like The Founder or anything is great for those videos that I make on the laws of power. Or the 30 Oh, that's or right. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out on YouTube at uh, Minimum Effort Media. Oh, thank you. I don't know. <laughs> um, I do want to see Air, uh, maybe just because of Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. let's hop into some Tenant minutes because we're here to <laughs> we're here to talk about Tenant and the movie Tenant, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Yes. Um, I got some reveals for us when we get to mine or explanations. I I have a thing in mind which I'm happy cool. to to get into. Um, this is a pretty cool minute. So we're at 61.21 to 62.21. Last week, uh, the protagonists in Seder are like having a conversation in Seder's yacht library. Um, the pro, the protagonist says to Seder, like, no retribution against your wife. Um, and because Seder, you know, Seder is saying to the protagonist that he owes him his life for saving him in the boat. And he's like, what do you want? So the protagonists, we, we finished last week with, then help me steal the 241. I need resources. It's weapons grade plutonium. That means special handling containment facilities, which brings us to 6122. Uh, there's some cutting between the protagonist. By the way, my whole minute, my whole minute, there are so many cuts, and I'm not going to call out <laughs> every single one because it's going to be obnoxious. I will give you the important ones. Um, but here we go. Seder says, I know what it means. And then there's this like pause. And they stare at each other intensely. Uh, Sater says, you lecture me about radiation? 
Mm. Andre Sater. He says his name. Andre Sater <laughs> digging plutonium from the rubble of my city as a teenager. The protagonist says, that's, where? That's his origin story. <laughs> this Well, we are. We're getting to the origin yeah. story. Um, yeah. In fact, I forgot, but they actually show the origin story, too. So the protagonist yeah. says, where? As Sater says, Stalsk 12, which we've talked about Stalsk 12 before and how... Russia has like cities named after like with numbers in them for for weird reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and close, then here the we get the first. Cities, yeah. Yeah. So here we have our first flashback and it's Seder as a teenager. It's uh, we're outside. It's raining. He's in like a radiation suit. He's digging. It's, uh, you know, kind of like dark and cloudy out. And we hear his voice over my home. Um. He takes he cut back to the yacht, takes a sip of vodka. He's he's milking the story. Um, <laughs> Sater says one part of a warhead exploded at ground level, scattering the others. Um, we cut back to the Stiles 12. It's raining. There's a bulldozer moving a whole bunch of earth. Um, Sater continues. They needed people to find the plutonium. It became my first contract. And then as he says this, the bulldozer uncovers like this, this like capsule. It's a big capsule. It's like a barrel sized capsule. Um, and his, his dialogue continues. He says, nobody else even bid. They thought it was a death, a death sentence, but okay. Now, like this dialogue is so perfectly intertwined with what's happening on screen. Like I, I just literally cannot do it justice. So, <laughs> um, and you've, most of you have seen the movie, but this like the editing and the dialogue it's all really clever this is this this is a really good part of the movie that i think is underappreciated <laughs> um, i'm always at least surprised from... as as somebody who does like editing and knows how many like seconds you can stay on a on an image or one thing like what's the shortest amount of seconds you can stay on a thing before it's like too short for somebody's eye to recognize what you're seeing they are right on the cusp of like your eye not even being able to recognize how uh, the the image that's on screen and the message they're trying to convey but it works i I mean this this scene's a home run if you think about it right yeah um i i I actually believe that i think it's it's done really well there's so many cuts to the scene right it seems Mm -hmm. like the camera is cutting like every one to three seconds um but it's it's very meaningful and it flows really well with the dialogue. So uh, it is yeah. it is pretty impressive. I remember trying to get a still image of what the gold bars look like to compare them <laughs> to the other gold bars. <laughs> and it's really like you're, you only see them for a second. <laughs> the gold bars are they're not like the same gold bars that fall out of the plane. But I think they yes. are the same gold bars that Seder murders a dude with. Yeah, that he smacks a guy with different <laughs> Yeah, but also Which gold is, can be transformed. <laughs> yeah, we, I, 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 you and I disagree. I don't think Seder has the facilities of melting and reshaping gold, but we'll no, no, no. You invert them and then freeze them, <laughs> and then they melt. You invert them, freeze them, melt them. He's got a freezer. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. No, I, I have, I have so many, I have so many questions. <laughs> reason you've thought about this um all right i'll stop uh interrupting your minute (laughs) 
Okay, so nobody else even bid. They thought it was a death sentence. By the way, it was a death sentence, sort of, because Seder's dying. Um, mm -hmm. And he says, but. Now, we cut back to young Seder. He's got, like, this large crowbar. He opens the capsule. Get ready for this. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Inside, there's a piece of paper with yeah. his name at the top, Andre Seder. Yes. <laughs> the rest of the document is in Russian, but it mm -hmm. clearly seems like like a birth certificate or something. Like that's what it looks like to me, like a Russian birth or like some kind of identity document, which means it's at this point he becomes Andre Sater. I don't think that's his real name. Oh. I think he takes on the identity based on what he finds in the first capsule. Oh, that's interesting. Which also means we have an unnamed antagonist in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I like that idea. Wow. I... I think Reddit has decoded what's in that document. Oh, what is it? Of course they have. I, I should, think it's instructions. But that doesn't, that does not negate what you're saying. It could say he who holds this certificate is Andre. It's like, it feels it's like a like, King Arthur legend. Like... He who holds his sword. Be, be, be if, he worthy. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, it definitely feels like, uh, some kind of identity document. It's got like some mm -hmm. official Russian seal on it. It's got some kind of seal on it. Seal looks very official. There's some numbers at the bottom, some kind of like identity number, whatever the Russian equivalent of a social security number is. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. this is, this is his identity now because he uncovered the capsule. He is now the, the broker between past and present. Uh, and he, and as part of that, that contract, he takes on this new identity. So anyway, Throwing that out there, let us know what you think at Tenet Men. I will troll the Reddit forums later to see what's up. Um, and then back to his dialogue again. The dialogue is like, oh, uh, I got intertwined it. with all this. Oh, oh, okay. Very, what is it? Very quickly, there was speculation that it was a contract. Somebody says, no, it is not a contract. It is a template of a business license issued by the Russian Federal Taxation Service. So you're pretty, yeah. So I'll just say that, that I, I'm not going to read the rest, but I think that's pretty good um, to what you're saying. So and, it's a, so, and this is Andre Sater. <laughs> but this is something that's streamed back to him, right? This is not like yeah. this is this is I think we can assume like the first interaction between the future and some present day something. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think his name, I don't think his birth name is Andre Sater. I think he takes it on after uncovering this capsule. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. All right. So he says nobody else bid. They thought it was a death sentence, but one man's possibility of death. And then as he says this, he like moves the piece of paper, the certificate of business. Um, and there's the stack of gold. He says, is another man's possibility for a life. So one man's probability of death is another man's possibility for a life. Like pretty good dialogue, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then young Seder in the flashback grabs a shovel and beats the other guy that he's with. Uh, <laughs> you know, no witnesses. <laughs> right. No, no witnesses. I'm Andre Seder now. Uh, and he says, I staked my claim in the new Russia. We're going to stop there. That actually takes me one second over, but I, I, had to include yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to complete a uh, yeah. Complete a thought. Um, 
really, really good though. Like one man's possibility of death is another man's possibility for a life. I, uh, I staked my, my claim in the new Russia. Uh, he stole some identity. He killed a dude. He got rich. That's a Seder origin story. Number one. <laughs> the Seder, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's issue, like issue it. number one. I mean, like it's a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think like the, the, the front of that is him like ripping off his radiation suit, like, like surrounded by gold bars. It's also interesting. Like he took that contract. It was a death sentence. He was going to die. And that's why he's a perfect tenant person because he, he has a definitive endpoint. He's not, he, he does, doesn't exist yeah. past a certain timeline so that he's a spent bullet. They can just use him to do whatever dirty business they need. Oh, I also like it. Just bringing it back to the beginning of my, of this minute, he talks, he says his name, like in third person, Andre Sater <laughs> digging plutonium from the rubble. Right. As mm-hmm. if like, again, like this is how Andre Sater, like this is his origin story, right? It's when he was a teenager, when he was digging, right? Like why else do you say your name in third person there? Because before that he had a different name. So it's exactly like a when he's thinking back to a different person and he talks about exactly. himself in the third person. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. That's great. All right. Buckle All right, up. That's the end of We're my doing minute. some inverted nonsense. Oh, 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 I'm excited. <laughs> All right, we just got out of the gunfight and out of the cars, like, seconds ago. And the protagonist is being marched towards the entrance of what we know is the turnstile. Um, Through fencing on the other side. Now, he's being dragged by two uninverted henchmen pushing him into the building, okay? He looks through the fence. On the other side of the fence, he sees cat being um uh pulled by a walking backwards satyr so that is important from what we know satyr has actually uh, already shot her from satyr's if we are in satyr's perspective he's already shot her but he's inverted and she's not. So he becomes, she becomes alive from his perspective. And then he takes her out of there and into the car chase scene from there. Okay. So that's important for my next uh, thing that's happening. Um, They continue walking past in the script. It says they walk past several containers that are marked Oslo Freeport. Um, I don't see that in the film, but we, we see shipping containers. Um. When he's taken into the um, facility that we know has the the turnstile in it, the protagonist walks past a table full of weapons, which is the same room, because I went back and watched a lot of the car chasing. It's the same room we last saw Kat in. This is the room where Andre takes her um, and he's like, you're going to stay here or like, you know, this guy's going to take you somewhere. Um, and he's going to leave her and then they get into a fight in that very room. Um, so that's important to know, because if you're wondering how cat it gets taken, because, because we see her getting taken into the car chase scene invertedly, but she's not inverted. So she experiences it moving forward, but she's being dragged along by an inverted, uh, satyr. So we have to assume that 
she was taken there so that they could kidnap her later because basically they're kidnapping her from the other side of the turnstile dragging her through the uh, car chase scene um, they're inverted so at the end point they have to drop her off somewhere in her own continuity so they kind of had to segregate her um somewhere and that's that's how they do it basically that's the big thing <clears throat> i had figured out in this moment in this minute don't you think Any it question? would be difficult <laughs> Don't, like, I just feel like it would physically be difficult to kidnap somebody that is inverted. That's right? that's why they had to set it up beforehand, right? They had to yeah. take her away from what she's doing, put her somewhere, right. and then know that, okay, I'm going to come back through this timeline. And even if I sh- you know, I'm going to shoot her, you know, but she's going to be alive in the future, not the past, I have to take that past self and put it back someplace it was previously. Uh, and also, so technically, right after he talks to the protagonist in the crash sob and goes, I saw the handoff, I know where it is now. That means Kat's in the car. He goes back in the car, drives back to the turnstile, which is in the past. So the protagonist, Neil, nobody's there. Ives isn't there. And he drops off Cat who's alive to his perspective. And then he grabs a 241 that's out front in the sob. That's, and then he has to go, he either inverts there or reinverts somewhere else. I feel like Seder, like Seder's mission here is maybe the most complicated in the movie it, because. It's, yeah. It took me a while to figure this part out. And I still, I feel like there's still more harder things to figure out. Well, so, I mean, again, putting all the pieces together, so he inverts himself, he unshoots Cat, and then essentially kidnaps her from that perspective and drags her along on this car chase. Yeah, it's very confusing. My next minute I'll have to describe how, to, from the movie's perspective, it looks like they're pulling him out of the car. But in reality, since they're inverted, they're putting them into the car and sending them. Right? Oh, wow. It's, so and and because I'm going backwards, basically I'm in the perspective of Seder going backwards through the car chase scene. Are there multiple versions of inverted Seder in this moment? I think there are. Yeah. Yeah, because it, in the moment when they're having the fight, the the henchman who's in the room says, "Hey, the convoy's uh, now ten minutes away." And we know temporal pincers only last for 10 minutes. So while they're fighting and he's spitting on her, the the beginning of the car chase is happening. Um, which means it's uh, it's so hard to. <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me uh let me keep moving through this. So um they enter. Uh, where am I at? Okay. Um, okay. So they push past the, the table of guns. They go into the red side of the um, turnstile. They sit uh, the protagonist down. Uh, we see a satyr walking backwards, dragging Cat by like the face mask. And he pulls her and puts her into the chair. And that's when the protagonist looks at her, sees he's frightened, and then he notices the 
broken glass and you could see the bullet that's stuck in between the two uh, panes of glass. Um, uh, that's when the satyr puts a gun to Kat's head, looks at the protagonist. And um, from this perspective, we had the other perspective previously. When he speaks, the first thing you hear is the recording, which is playing it forwards for us. He says, if you're not telling the truth, she dies. And then we hear the backwards talk coming over the top of it, mm-hmm. which the protagonist talks over, just creating impossible dialogue to understand. <laughs> he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Seder talks over that recording of him saying that backwards. <laughs> and he says, you left it in the car, not the fire truck, right? <laughs> yeah. Because he, because he's trying to make sure that that is exactly the truth that he got from him on the other side. I have, that's confusing that he gets from it later in the conversation, but he knows it at this point because he's inverted. And the protagonist says, who told you that? Because right. He did. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he's confirming something he's already been told, but the protagonist hasn't told him that yet, but he lied when he told him that. So he's like, wait, who, when did I say it was where? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which car he's got a he has to piece together the lie he hasn't told yet <laughs> that that's yeah and that's interesting in the first sentence he says is it in the car not the fire truck but there's two cars right because he knows he secretly put it in the sob and then he says who told you that Sater uh says tell me now is it really in the bmw a confused protagonist screams I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we're into my next minute where he says, tell me or I'll shoot her again. Which is actually Seder screwing up. Because he hasn't shot her yet. Like he has. He has. But from the protagonist's perspective, that makes no sense. This is, I mean, the power of reverse chronology interrogations, right? Uh, this one's really sloppy, but like it could be very, very powerful. <laughs> it's like playing three dimensional chess backwards, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's well, it's it's. I would say it's regular chess, but knowing the knowing the game that that's already happened and using that knowledge against your enemy, mm. but it's still. But even in, uh, you you threw out the chess analogy, so I'm going to run with it. Um, but like, even if you know, like if you play a game of chess, right. And you have all that information in your head and then you use that information to replay it, the game is going to be played differently because once you change some of the move orders, then your opponent's Mm going to react differently. You know what I mean? So to some extent. Yeah. It's interesting in the lie. If you think about the protagonist does lie and says it's in the BMW, but did he get that from Seder? Cause Seder says, tell me now, is it really in the BMW? The protagonist hasn't said it's in the BMW yet. He right. That's, that yeah, that's after it. he's trying to like confirm. You said it was in the BMW, right? And he's like, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> Did like, I? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah that's, it's in the BMW. <laughs> that's, that's the lie I would have told you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like a chicken or the egg. Did Seder invent the lie or did the protagonist invent the lie that it's in the BMW? Right. And you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. Um, it's uncertainty that's what makes it a little, yeah. <laughs> right. That's what makes it a little sloppy. That's fascinating stuff. Yeah. I'll shoot her again. You shot her already. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, two, two, two pretty good minutes there. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. This was episode 62. Ooh. Oh, man. I think 62 uh, to the Tenant Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, and review whatever on whatever service you found us on. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movements of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends.